Hello, it is Wednesday the 22nd of June 2022. It is the Phil Swallow podcast with me, Phil Swallow. And this is episode 121, Duxford Air Show, which is the uh, the theme throughout. But there are some very important connected elements to it. And I'll talk about those as I go through the show. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, we've got nice warm weather here, which is good. Uh, weather's a bit boom and bust sometimes over here. Uh, so I'm going to go with the build-up, if you like, to our uh, weekend away when the we went to the air show. And this was uh, probably the hottest day of the year, I think it was, to date. And it was forecasted 32 on well, where we are now, home, Croydon area. Uh, but it was going to be 34 in the destination area, which is, I mean, it's very North Essex um, and South Cambridgeshire, but it was technically in Essex where we stayed. And the show is in Duxford, which is in very South Cambridgeshire, if you get the geography. So we got up there and it was um, 34 degrees, but oh, what a journey to get up there. So I've talked about the car, you know, before. Now, it's a Volvo XC60 recharge. It's a plug-in hybrid. It is probably the most comfortable car, an easy car to drive that I've ever had in my many years of driving. <clears throat> um, but being a modern car, it's obviously got some emphasis on a lot of the electrical comms and stuff. And it's basically a Google system. So a Google sat-nav, which appears in the center display and also the instrument cluster, like the driver's display. And you can actually do voice commands to ask it to, you know, turn the heating up, turn the aircon off, <coughs> switch on the the guidance. Excuse me, <coughs> switch on the guidance uh, on the navigation. Um, you know, voice guidance and all that sort of stuff. There's probably some other things you can do. Occasionally, I will throw things at it, and it just says, "Oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that." But one of the main things we use it for is sat nav, and I, I kind of use it a lot because I just like to know roughly when I'm going to arrive somewhere, and even. Uh, because we live in a fairly kind of built-up area in London suburbs, you 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 would want to know if there's a problem that could be avoided, you know, even on domestic route. And, you know, I do this regular trip to take mum to the doctors and occasionally there's a traffic build-up partway through the journey. So it just, you know, it, it gives you a heads up. And, you know, if the technology's there, why not use it, I say. So prior to that, I had the CarPlay option in the previous vehicle. CarPlay is meant to be in this vehicle, but it's been promised for the, well, we're in month 10 now that I've had the car, still no CarPlay. So we're reliant on Google. Um, now, I've also got a little dash cam in the car, it's a Garmin, and that's voice activated. And I'll come to why I'm telling you that. So on Friday morning when I'm getting the car ready <clears throat> for the journey, sorry, I'm just going to have a little slurp. Oh, live cranberry juice. And so I <clears throat> went to the car when it was on the driveway and just put in the destination. Said it was kind of stored in the recent uh, search results and it would just be a tap ready to go. Think nothing more of it. Drove down, we had to drop a parcel off, so I drove down to the local shops. I waited. Now, while I was there, I wanted to start a thing called a travel apps, which is basically the um, uh, Garmin dash cam does a series of, you know, frames and then you can do a time lapse of your journey effectively it's just a nice little feature should i wanted to do a of complete vlog of it which i didn't but should i've wanted to it's just nice to have it there so i was waiting in the car for sue and i just said 
OK Garmin, start travel apps. Now, sometimes you have to ask it a couple of times, but it it will tell you when you do an OK Garmin, it gives you a few sort of responses on the screen. And it kept saying start travel apps. And obviously when you say OK Garmin and it says stop travel apps, you know it's doing a travel apps. I hope you're with me. hope you're keeping up. Uh, now, when I did this, there was a strange sort of crackling noise. It sort of went from the speakers. And there was a little kind of on-screen blip as if I was asking Google something, whereas normally I would say, hey, Google, do this, rather than, okay, Garmin, do that. Uh, so, and obviously, you know, it, I, I would have thought it could have handled that. Now, after I asked the, or got the uh, dash cam to do the start the travel apps, ready for when we set off, I looked at the navigation system and it said we were at a point about a quarter of a mile away. Basically, where I was waiting, there's a school and it's playing field, and then there's a road called Woodpecker Mount, and it thought we were there. Not where I actually was, it thought we were a quarter of a mile behind where we actually were, um, which is probably within the tolerance of sat-nav sometimes, although the idea is they know exactly where you are, otherwise they're not very good as a sat-nav. And I thought, well, it's a bit odd. And it started saying searching for GPS. And we're going along and I thought, well, I would have hoped it would have righted itself by now. And it, it's done this once before and it righted itself, corrected itself. That was a few months ago. Of course, I'm thinking, is it he, you know, blah, blah. I knew I hadn't done anything, you know, because when I put the journey in the preparatory kind of setting of the journey from my driveway in the morning, it got it all right, the journey time and all that sort of stuff. Now, about the journey time. If we went on a quiet time, it would be about an hour and a quarter. But obviously it's not always like that. And Friday night, Friday travel is normally pretty hectic, uh, to say the least. So we're setting off and it was a bit heated in the car. <laughs> well, it was certainly heated outside the car. The car was actually quite comfortable. Sue and I were, I was probably being a bit moody. I was. And um, we eventually thought, well, if this isn't behaving... Sue's does, Sue does a great job of navigating, so she's got her car play up on her car. No, she got, she got Apple Maps up on her phone, and um, we were able to put in the journey. But of course, by the time this happened, we were stuck in some very heavy traffic, local traffic. I mean, we'd barely made any progress, and it took us about 40 minutes to get through there. I'm sure at one point, because the sat-nav didn't know where we were at this point, the car sat-nav, it said, oh, we'll avoid a two and a half hour delay. I thought, well, yes, please. Um, but we then had to kind of, sort of hand to mouth, whatever. We were driving along, relying on Sue's phone to be our navigation tool. Now, ordinarily, you wouldn't really need a navigation tool. The journey was quite simple. It's from where we are, across the M25, Dartford Crossing, M25 again, M11, and we come off at Junction 9A to where we were staying. It's literally just off the motorway. So when we actually made some progress going towards the Dartford Tunnel, it said road closure, M11 motorway, junction six to seven, take this detour to avoid a 49 minute delay. So we did, and this is again, Sue's phone, uh, Apple Maps, hope you're keeping up. So we're going on there, we'd already done far too much time already in the car. The saving graces, we were longer than we would have liked in the car. It was 34 degrees outside. We had lovely air conditioning in the car. So 
we weren't too disappointed. Now we did on the journey. Sue looked up online uh, while we were sort of going along this detour, which was beautifully pretty detour through some lovely villages in sort of rural Essex. It was it was good, and we felt we were making progress northwards as we as we aimed to. Um, and to be honest, the you know the Apple Maps navigation was pretty good. But she looked up uh, about doing a reset. So we did a reset. You just hold the home button down on the car for 20 seconds or whatever, and then it starts up. There was one slightly scary point because it, it switched off the aircon, but it all came and all fired back up again. Um, and obviously there's, there's fingers crossed at this point because we wanted to make sure that the map location that kind of reset, you know, you know what it's like with any form of technology. If in doubt, just reboot it. Well, it did come up with a destination. It was somewhere in Lee Valley in sort of north to east London. Now, this car never went to that destination on the journey. Never went near it, really, from my recollection. Um, but it seems to think that we're on there. And it still seems to think that's where we are. So we knew it was stuck. And it was just annoying me then. So I took that, changed the screen. So we... Um, we navigated eventually, we got round this detour, we sort of avoided this 49 minute delay if we'd have stayed on there. And uh, around about three hours after setting off, we pulled up in the hotel. Well, actually we couldn't get in the car park because they had a wake on there. <laughs> so we had to go around the corner, but we found a spot a bit later. And I'm so often I'm going out there thinking, well, it must be this or it must be that. Is it a SIM card? Because these cars are all connected now. Could I locate the SIM? No. So again, another try resetting. At one point I tried a factory reset, which is a slightly different thing. It wouldn't let me do it. I mean, what piece of modern technology does not allow you to do a full factory reset, wipe everything off, bare settings and start again? Well, this didn't. So GPS problem, Google problem, who knows? And that was that was it for the weekend basically so we couldn't do anything with that we just had to rely on the apple system and i've now ordered uh, a a suction mount which has got magsafe on the front which is the proprietary apple connection to this sort of magnets in the back of the phone and the case that i've got so i should just be able to plonk the phone on there and then use that as a an interim solution or actually always have that in the car because i think it's going to be a case of when um I'll talk in a minute about when I went to Volvo uh, uh, about this. So, so we settled. We we arrived with uh, a, a little bit of time to spare for a quick sort of freshen up, and then we we had a meal booked for uh, six thirty in the Crown and Thistle. We had a nice Thai meal there; it was very nice. And then we had a walk back, and it was a bit bit more comfortable the weather than the temperature. And we stood by the River Cam, a little well, sit down by the river, took a couple of pictures enjoyed Great Chesterford which is a where we say very nice uh, little village and then um, sort of settled down for the night it wasn't a great night's sleep I mean they had fans in the room a fan in the room that was quite effective just didn't really settle very well um, up the following day had our breakfast and then we headed over to the display and I'd looked on the traffic you know on the map thing that was all fine it was really well organised we parked uh, sort of on the opposite road where the Barrett Blocks and uh, Officers Mess buildings are for Ducksford Aerodrome. And then we crossed over the bridge. I think it's a Bailey Bridge, they said, which is what my dad used to build in when he was in the Royal Engineers in National Service. And um, it was, the weather, well, the weather was a bit cooler. I think it was 18 degrees in the morning, but it was much more humid because rain was forecast and we had rain. Um, 
I had all the waterproofs necessary and I felt quite smug in that. So I had waterproof covers for the two carry bags I was carrying. I had Gore-Tex Anorak, Gore-Tex over trousers, Gore-Tex shoes. Um, and also I'd bought this rain cover for the camera and lens, which worked brilliantly. So I was completely covered. I was in my waterproof element. But what a sight there. I mean, it. I was staggered really just by how much there is um, at at Duxford. I knew it was the Imperial War Museum site there. Uh, there's one in Manchester, one in London, and HMS Belfast. There's one of their sort of sites. Um, but they've got six hangars plus a land warfare exhibition, which is incredible, with all the going through from the Great War through to modern warfare, vehicles, little mock-ups with sort of, you know, models and people and things. Uh, there's a little outside um, sort of little circuit thing that the kids can go on a little truck ride um, but the hangars themselves are just massive there's a Battle of Britain one uh, with you know Doodlebugs and Measuresmith and Spitfire Hurricane there's others with Jaguar uh, planes in there and um, I can't think of the oh, there's so many fighters from the, the fighter era um, and also there's a the one that we went to at the very end where they do a little demo of the Concorde nose going down with, yes, a full-size Concorde in there that never saw commercial service, but it was used for test flights and stuff, uh, plus many others. I mean, and then they've got the American Air Museum hangar, which has got a, the Super Fortress and F-16s. And, oh, honestly, it was very clear that you can't see all of that and the air show I mean, we did spend most of the morning looking at those things because we got there in good time. We got there for about nine-ish. Um, but we will go back there again and, and almost need two days to just look around all that's there because it's just fascinating. Brilliantly looked after. Really nice, friendly people to talk to. Um, and, and I think really in some ways that was the appeal. This wasn't one of these big international air shows like, well, like they used to have at Farnborough, but they have at um, the Riyadh Royal International Air air tattoo at uh, Fairfoot in Gloucestershire which is in a few weeks time in July um, it wasn't one of those big super duper high powered high octane kind of shows um, but you know it was still a, a very good show and uh, they had to change things around a bit because of the weather um, and obviously the temperature so that that 18 I mentioned earlier was quite a sticky 18 when we first got up uh, I think it went down to about 12 Sue's teeth were chattering at one point and I thought you know, we've gone down 20 degrees in a day <laughs> from what it was. That said, it was almost preferable to have that and not to sit in a grandstand where we paid extra for these grandstand, seat, grandstand seats and fry. Uh, it would have been very, very uncomfortable, I think, if we'd have had that heat of the previous day. Um, you know, but anyway, so that, that was... There was so much to see. We will go back there again. Uh, and, you know, my... My technical challenge there was obviously, yes, enjoy the show, but I wanted to use my one camera, my my Nikon Z6 with a 70-200 2.8 zoom lens to do stills and video, but mostly video, and then just flick the switch when I wanted to do the odd still. So I was able to kind of cover things quite a lot. I did use one 24-70-2.8 lens for the wide-angle stuff. You got, you got this, the other great thing, which we didn't realise, up until 12 noon... Uh, they allow entry onto the tarmac where the planes taxi towards the main runway for takeoff. And all the planes are parked on the grass on the opposite side to that. Uh, and they're protected, obviously. But you can walk up and down the tarmac and just get perfectly clean 
no no one blocking your shot views and uh, images of the planes in their static positions so that was really cool um and then yes i i just uh, i i think i learned a lot from doing the video uh it, it it was quite hard work sometimes. I'm panning round and almost knocking Sue off her chair. Uh, but overall, I was pretty happy for a first effort. I mean, you have stabilisation on the camera, but you still got to kind of hold it. Um, so I put a video together over the last couple of days. That's now on YouTube servers, and I've mentioned this before. It's relatively quick to get it to YouTube, and then YouTube will take a number of hours to actually process it in 4k which is how i recorded it so that'll take some time i i don't think it'll be ready tonight uh it went up there sort of lunchtime today but i think it'll probably be more like tomorrow um I, i've really not done the the wording and the captioning and all that sort of stuff so i need to need to work on that I'll probably do some uh tonight um so yeah it, it it was a challenge but i enjoyed it i most certainly enjoyed it and the other thing i also enjoyed seeing a nice visual was that when I'd done the Kenley Aerodrome video, uh, I I spoke with Linda about it, about the um, hangars that used to be, or some of the hangars that used to be at Kenley. Uh, there's none there anymore. Uh, and they were Belfast Truss hangars. I think I've got that right. And they're the most beautiful design, um, these kind of crisscross trusses that hold the roof structures. Um, engineered wonderfully. Huge, big things. I mean, they're well looked after. There's There's two, three, four of them maybe at Duxford. So it's nice to see those in the flesh and then kind of visualise how they would have sat in the uh, in the site that we've got at, um, at Kenley. So that was nice. So yes, um, so that was a nice long day. We saw all the planes. We didn't move from our seat. There's some people were coming and going and on the video. You can hear a like, clip-clop, clip-clop from people going. You can also hear, if you listen carefully, one bit where I said, you'll have to wait because some people wanted to take a seat or get out of their seat but there was a full-on display going on. It was the blades, and I liked them. So, anyway, we did that. We walked, or frog-marched over to the um, Hangar 1 for the Concorde display, and that was good. They do a little kind of commentary, so did a bit of video of that. Didn't put that in the um, in the video that I released because it was just about the air show. And, uh, and then we decided we were really hungry, and there was signs from McDonald's, so we went and had a McDonald's filet of fish and a milkshake, um, Actually, the, the meal itself probably wasn't too bad in terms of calories, but the milkshake would have blown it. And then we just grabbed a coffee afterwards to uh, to take back. So, so that was our fill of food. And then it was just breakfast the following morning, nice sunny day, and off. I did I did try again on a reset for the car on Sunday morning. I tried to look for the SIM, but apparently it might be an eSIM, so it may not physically exist, because you get those in phones sometimes now. And... There's, um, there are two buttons in the display. One is an SOS. So if, if you can manage, if you had an accident, you can manage to press SOS. It will know where you are and it can send out emergency services. No, you know, a number of cars do this now. I think the BMW used to. And on the other side, uh, this is in that cluster where the wing, uh, rear view mirror is, there's an on-call button. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll try that. I'll press the on-call button. And it rang and it rang very loudly and I couldn't turn it down you know something you can turn down the volume of a phone call in the car well this wouldn't it just it didn't guy answered told him the problem and he said mm. he said I've got nothing here that helps me he said really this is designed for a call out if you've broken down but he said I I can't find anything from you know where you've described the warning or the, the little symbol the triangle with the x in it uh, he said also he said 
where did you say you were? I said, I'm on the Essex Cambridgeshire border. He said, ah, well, I, then I can't locate your vehicle because this says you're in South London. Okay, yeah, that's the problem. So, um, and I said, look, is it worth me even making a phone call on Monday? Because obviously this was on a Sunday uh, to try and get some technical support. He said, I'll be honest, you won't get any support from uh, for that problem from people here. He said, the car needs to be looked at. So go to your dealer, see what they can do. Well, when I had a bit of a problem before that they suggested will be fixed by a reset, uh, they did do that and it kind of fixed it-ish. So I went down there on Monday afternoon, after mum's hospital trip, no, doctor's trip, and uh, took it in there and explained. And the guy said, very early on in my dialogue, he said, is it the Google system? I said, yeah, he said, and he rolled his eyes. He said, okay. He said, it's probably going to need a full reset as in we drain everything down we disconnect the battery and then we fire it up again do a software update may have to connect directly to volvo they can dial into the car via laptops and cables and wizardry uh, uh he said hopefully it'll be done during the day they may need it overnight anyway i booked it in for today we've we've got rail strikes tuesday and thursday so i thought well i'll, I'll go for the wednesday because i've got it potentially get back home after dropping it off dropped it off as soon as they opened I was the first person in went and had a bit of breakfast locally in Causton went back to see if I could get a kind of status report after an hour and a bit and he said mm, he said they've had an initial look they're going to need a deeper look he said so head home and I'll call you later well he said within a couple of hours he didn't I called them about quarter to four this afternoon just to say any news and they said well We've got two technicians, senior technicians, with the manuals out and looking at your car on the ramp and scratching their heads. He said, I think we're going to need it overnight unless a miracle happens. Well, the miracle didn't happen. The car is there overnight. I'm only hoping that they can find out what the problem is and I can get the car back tomorrow. I mean, as it is, absolutely needing the car for the next couple of days, we could probably get, get around it but it's extremely inconvenient and I've got to when I hopefully get the call tomorrow to go and pick it up I've got to hope that I can get a connection and that there's a train because that's the best way of getting there um, and of course with the rail strike who knows uh, it could be a horrible journey tomorrow in a weather warning which they've issued about thunder and lightning so I'm expecting many different options and scenarios tomorrow um one thing I did say to him on Monday, which I was actually quite disappointed with, was that I said, I've, I've heard this and actually experienced this quite a lot already with my short you know, history of Volvo, is about doing these resets and master resets and re-downloading the system software. This is not something you can do as, a, you know, as the driver sort of thing. I said, do you take a root cause analysis of the problem so that you can build it back in and you know, be proactive and fix them for the so that other people don't have to go through the pain. He said, no, not really. I really didn't want to hear that. And I'm hoping he didn't really understand me and that actually they, they do that. I can't believe that they hook it up to all this gadgetry and it doesn't actually record the event and therefore get fed back. It's absolutely criminal, almost, if they don't. Um, they should be nowhere near IT systems if they don't take that approach because it's the only way you learn. Um, I mean, it shouldn't have been released in that way anyway, but, you know, bugs happen sometimes. In, you do your testing. It's only in your real-world usage that things happen, even though this happened just while I'm 
waiting outside a doctor's uh, locally, or it was near a doctor's surgery. So, but the important thing was, we got home in an hour and a quarter on um, on Sunday. It was ridiculous. You know, the, the journey that we never had, if you like, which was motorway all the way down, you know, M11 down to the M25, it felt like we'd barely joined the M11, gone along a bit, and then it said, oh, now you just turn this, you know, bare left to join the M25. Ridiculous. So we got home into well in time for coffee, 10, uh, 20 to 11, quarter to 11 maybe, uh, Sunday morning. We didn't need to hang around there. You know, we'd seen the town. There wasn't really anything to gain by being in that area. So, uh, yes. Um, so I, you know, this is now 6 p.m. Um, garage closes at 5.30. I've not had another call. Uh, uh, so I've, I've got plenty of things to do, always. But it's just, um, it's a tale of frustration. Um I, I feel that I've remarkably kept my call about it, really, because it's one of these, well, what can you do anyway? Uh, oh, I, I tweeted a bit about it because I think other people should know via that medium. But um, anyway, so uh, I won't link the video in the show notes because it's not really there yet. So it'd be a bit wasted. Um, I mean, I could, but I probably won't. But if you follow my videos via this medium, then uh, have a look out for that. Ideally, if you subscribe and notify yourself when um when a, a new one's released that'd be cool and uh yes 25 minutes wow into the 26th minute so this was episode 121 one to one uh of the ducksford no of the phil swallow podcast called ducksford air show uh look after yourselves and i will speak again next week when hopefully i've got a car back <laughs>